Bloomberg Behind the Scenes is brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Use an integrated investment account from Interactive Brokers to earn, borrow, spend, and invest globally from one account. Learn more at IBKR.com. And from the Interactive Brokers Market Lounge, I'm Carol Masser. Joining me is David Abney. He's the chairman and CEO of UPS. So nice to have you here with me. Glad to be here, Carol. So tell me a little bit about growing up, because you grew up in Mississippi, right? I did. You have a little bit of a southern twang. (laughs) I do, still. Tell me about um, your parents, your family, your life. I lived in a small town in Mississippi. Of course, that would be most of the towns. Born in Cleveland, right? Born in Cleveland, Mississippi, not Ohio, everyone thinks. And uh, and then grew up in Greenwood, and uh, it's really just small community, playing in the neighborhood, and uh, and to me, I thought it was a, a big town because it was really all that I I knew at the time. Right. And uh, and I really credit a lot of uh, of my career later on to this upbringing, this sense of values that I was taught from a very early age. In, uh, in our neighborhood, you didn't worry just about your parents if you were misbehaving. I mean, everyone was authorized to to let you know if you were going in the wrong direction. And I think you just learned a sense of accountability and learned a, a sense of values. So I wouldn't replace it uh, for anything. Well, Marie and Tom, your parents, right? Yes. Tell me about them specifically. Yeah, my father was an uh, insurance salesman and uh and I would say that I definitely got my determination from him. And uh, he was always totally focused, and and I think I learned that from him. And the fact that early on he saw that I was about the most unmechanical child he had <laughs> ever seen. And so he told me, son, Don't you're going to you're have to use your brain, and you're going to have to apply yourself because you're going to be paying people to do a lot of things for you. Because it just wasn't he said that my to you. Thing. Yes. Well, I always do wonder about when somebody, is there something in your childhood that kind of determined where you were going to be later in life? And I, I'm not saying that, I don't know, did you think that you were going to be CEO? But that might be a little crazy, but just that you wanted to run something. And I don't know if you thought about that when you were younger. You have to remember, in my neighborhood, not only was it a very small town, there were no CEOs in my neighborhood. Yeah. And they certainly wouldn't have been in where I live because we were on the, the lower end of the spectrum. So didn't think in terms of like that. What I did know from an early age, though, and it's a positive most of the time, is if someone tells me that I can't do something, it becomes my mission <laughs> in life. So even things that are well-intentioned, well, you know, really no one in our family has ever done anything like that, that automatically triggered a reaction in me. And so I was the first to attend college and, right. and graduate uh, in college and really the first one to move out of Mississippi. And I think it was always felt like that uh, even with well-intentioned comments that sometimes people were telling me what I couldn't do. And there's some great stories. Uh, I know your company shared with me, though, about that sometimes you didn't drive home and you slept on couches at college. You did some of that? You know, I will have to say that some of those stories have grown over the years. Okay. What was reality? Set the record straight, David. That's right. Reality on college campuses uh, is I worked at nice, and then when I got off, we would— we wouldn't start studying until midnight because that was against the rules, right? So then I'd stay up three hours or so and then have to get up at uh, 8 
And so I would attend the class, a couple of classes. Then I would go to the uh, union building, and I would pull my shoes up, go to sleep on the couch. Next thing I know, 30 years later, I hear, well, he didn't have a place to stay, so he slept at the union building. Not quite that way. Everybody's hearing it. He's setting the uh, record straight, David Abney, about that. So first job, UPS. 1974. That's right. 18, 19? I was 18. Okay. And I was a, a loader. Well, they told me I was going to load packages, and I did, but I also cut the grass and uh, swept the floors. I was really at the bottom of this totem pole, and it was a job to get me through college. That's the way I looked at it. Until I was 19, and I had a center manager actually put his arm on my shoulder one day, tell me what a great company UPS was what he had seen in me, and he thought that I could have a great career and that I really should consider. And I was going to school to be a history professor. I became a UPS employee for life that night. Is that the um, individual who was a mentor to you? Because I know that there was somebody, I thought, that was a manager from a a small town at UPS. Yes. Now, that was a later person uh, after I went into management. But this person... uh, and, you know, when you're 19, there's not a lot of people telling you how great you are, and they, <laughs> other than your parents, and they have to say it. Right. And, uh, and so that really, and I think it's what makes our company special is that we can touch people for life if we take the time to get to know them and recognize them. And uh, I thank this guy for, for the rest of my days mm. and, uh, and haven't seen him in 30-something years, but he really affected me. So here we are in 2019. You started at UPS in 1974. You've been at UPS your whole professional life. I have. Did you ever think about going somewhere else? You know, I can't. Now I'm sure there may have been a (laughs) night that I'm going, what the heck, right? But I don't remember that. Uh, It has been uh, 45 years, and, and I'm telling you, I look forward to it every day. It starts out as a job. It became a career. And then it becomes a way of life. Yeah. It really does. And so you're talking to me about uh, my career, but we have a lot of UPSers that have that similar right. career path. And multiple jobs. You've been in New Jersey. You've been on the West Coast. You've been overseas, correct? You know, I had our international operations, but I never actually oh, lived overseas. you didn't overseas. go overseas. Okay. But you have to remember, I grew up in Mississippi. Then I was transferred to Tennessee. When I was transferred to New Jersey— which was totally out of my David, you're going to hurt me right now, but go ahead. <laughs> to me, it was like an international assignment just because UPS had identified that I needed exposure and I needed to be yeah. taken out of my comfort zone. And uh, I would not be in the job I am today if I had not gone to New Jersey. I found out there is a different way of life. I'm there. born and bred in New Jersey. I don't know if you know that. Um, I want to ask you what... Um, what do you think UPS is going to look like in a decade? It's very exciting to see where the company has gone. And then when you think a decade out, you can magnify anything I tell you probably by two or three times because that's how quick things are changing. Yeah. But one of the biggest is that the consumer, for the first time in my lifetime, has got the power. It was always companies. It was always shippers. It was manufacturers. And then you bought the best thing that you could find based right. on what was provided. Today, it's all about the consumer. Because of the volume? It's about the volume, but it's through the Internet. The consumer has a voice. And whether it's through social networking or in other avenues, 
they make many of the decisions. So our company has had to migrate that it's not only the shipper, the person that pays us for the shipment, but it's also the end consumer that's our customer. That's going to continue to progress. The other thing is from a global uh, aspect. You know, 5% of the world's consumers live in the U.S., and uh, global trade is going to continue to expand. And so our company is going to be much more global even than it is today. I'm curious what you think is the toughest long-term strategy decision that you're working on right now. It is technology and this rapidly evolving technology. We can take the latest things that we can do now with technology and do things for our customers we couldn't even think about five years ago. The way that we can uh, use predictive and prescriptive analytics and be able to solve problems before they even occur, right? which we couldn't do that in the past, and to be able to connect with our customers' supply chains so much today. So technology is the biggest opportunity that we will have in that decade you're talking about. It could also be the biggest challenge because if we don't embrace it and if we don't apply it, someone will. We have to make sure it's us. I want to ask you what uh, competitor do you most admire and why? That I have heard a lot of questions <laughs> about competitors before, but I have not heard the admire. I'll tell you this. Uh, but we uh, learn from our world around us. That's right. I believe that... Uh, I don't have the view that any of our competitors are bad companies or bad people. You know, I mm-hmm. think that uh, now I'm, I'm a little bit preferential. I prefer UPS over the others, but I think they're good companies. I think what separates us is that we put so much focus on the customer and we have put so many of our investments in our global logistics network that I just think we're the best of the competitors. You're not going to give me a competitor that you admire? You, How I, about an individual or a leader? You know, I would. Uh, there are a lot of, of individuals that were out there. I'll talk about, uh, I think, a, uh, there's a recently retired person uh, uh, from FedEx, Mike Ducker, that I've always had a lot of respect for. We had international businesses at the same time. But I also have to tell you that there's 500,000 UPSers that I prefer even more. So if you want to know my favorite people in the industry, it's the 500,000 UPSers that I am going through this journey with. You are a good CEO. I've gone out with one of your drivers, put on the brown uniform, and I know how hard they work. One last question. When you retire, are you really thinking about getting a master's degree? You know, Or is that I, another another not quite story? I think that story. was something at, uh, at one time that I had thought about. One is I've been so busy and I'm having so much fun. I haven't really even thought about retirement. But uh, right now, I would say that when I do retire, that my master's may very well be in these seven grandkids that I have. <laughs> and uh, so they're going to get the most of my attention. So, David Abney, obviously your employers and your family are very important to you. Nice to have you with us. Thank you very much. This has been the Bloomberg Behind the Scenes from the Interactive Brokers Market Lounge. Behind the Scenes brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers constantly striving to innovate and create technology to automate your trading experience with their advanced trading tools. Learn how Interactive Brokers helps lower your cost to maximize your returns at IBKR.com. I'm Carol Masser. This is Bloomberg Behind the Scenes.